This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Very special guest today. I'm really excited about this. You're, you're going to know him. You're going to know him from all of his work that he does. We've got author and humorist and uh, all-around great guy Dave Barry joining us today. Dave's got a new book coming out called Lessons from Lucy, The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. And uh, in this case, Dave's talking a little bit about himself, maybe a little bit about Lucy herself. So lessons Lucy has taught. So we're excited about that as always. So everybody just hang tight. We're going to come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join us today. I'm very excited about this. I'm a big fan of Dave's. I've got Dave Berry. Uh, if you know Dave, he's uh, the author of numerous best-selling books. He's a 1988 Pulitzer Prize winner for all of his commentary and uh, syndicated columnist work. Uh, great humorist, uh, tongue-in-cheek, and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, Dave's going to talk to us today about his latest book. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Now, I have to ask you, so the, the book's called Lessons from Lucy, The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. So tell us a little bit about Lucy, that the star of the show. You know, this is Pet Life Radio, so we got to talk about, about the animals. But tell us a little bit about Lucy and, and really how this book came about. Okay, uh, Lucy is a, she's a rescue dog. She was picked out of the newspaper by, no, actually off the internet, by my daughter, Sophie back over oh, 10 years ago. So Sophie and I have been leaning on my wife, Michelle, for years to, to get a dog. Michelle had never had a dog. Wow. And I grew up with dogs, always had a dog, and really wanted a dog. Sophie just loves animals. She wanted a dog. But Michelle kept saying, well, they're like dirty, and they, you know, they stick their nose in your crotch. And you know, we're like, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> But you'll learn to love that. You know? Anyway, so uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to add some humor in there, but I'll, I'll leave it out. It, it, this is a, a family show, so we'll just put it there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I kept telling Michelle that dogs are really wonderful, and once you have one, you, you appreciate why. But uh, she didn't see it. Sophie, though, wore her down. And so we, we decided to get a rescue dog, and we went on the Internet, and they had all these pictures of cute little puppies like labs. And we kept kind of pointing Sophie toward these cute little puppies, but she kept being drawn back to this one. And it wasn't even, you could barely tell that it was a dog because Lucy was pitch black dog and they don't photograph well, which is one of the issues I've learned that we're getting them adopted. Right. And uh, so all you could sort of see was these glowing orbs, you know, her eyes, a devil dog, but it said her name, the, the name, the uh, rescue folks, had, it's a group called Pause for You, had given her was Monaco. They just like to have a name for the dog. So they found her with another dog, or sister, I guess, and they called them Paris and Monaco. But it said, Monaco is the sweetest dog we've ever had. She just couldn't be sweeter. She never eats the other dog's food. She's just so nice. 
And so we'd say, Sophie, you know, look at this cute little lab puppy. And Sophie would go, yeah, but it says Monaco is so sweet. It's so, nice. so anyway, we, we had to go see Monaco. And as soon as we saw her, it was over. I mean, she just, you know, rolled on her back for Sophie to rub her belly. And she's just, you know, just a, one of those puppies, just happy to, to see you, so happy to see you. She'd been at the shelter for several months at that point. Nobody had taken her, so she was just very excited. So Lucy became our dog, and, of course, Michelle, my wife, immediately loved her. And the, the woman who claimed that dogs were dirty and everything would bend over and let Lucy just kiss her all over her face. So, so anyway, Lucy is, I did a 23andMe thing, or whatever they call it with dogs, a, a genetic analysis. Yeah, okay. And it turned, we thought she was a lab. Everybody looks at her thinks she's a lab because everybody thinks any big black dog is a lab, but she's right. actually half boxer, a quarter Dalmatian, a quarter chow chow, and a quarter retriever. So I call her a boxmation chow retriever. Um, <laughs> mainly, she's just a really nice, nice dog. And, and so that's how we got Lucy, which was over, a little over 10 years ago. And what led to this book is I turned 70 last year and Lucy turned 10 last year. And so Basically, we're both, if you go by dog years, right. uh, Lucy's 70 and I'm 70. Yeah. And uh, my uh, editor had suggested that I write something about dogs. And I thought about it. And I thought the main thing I, I could think of to write is that Lucy, despite the fact that she and I are both old, is much happier than I <laughs> She's better at it. At better, you know, at getting, she just, there are a lot of things she does that make her happy that I think I used to do more when I was younger, but I don't do as much anymore. And so the premise of the book is that by watching what Lucy does that makes her happy and trying to do those things to the extent I can as a person, I can make myself happier too. And I, except for drinking from the toilet, I draw the line there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So some of these lessons, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's great. Happy birthday to you both turning 70. So moving well, forward. Well, we're actually now, I'm a year old. I'm 71 now. So I'm past there you that. go. Um, and Lucy, I guess, will be 77. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> That's right. She's going to jump ahead of you. So tell us about some of the life lessons and, and what they've done. Because I know there's things like uh, one of the topics was one of the chapters were talking about, you know, making new friends. And I know dogs yeah, are great uh, I don't know about you, but I find that the older I get, the less I the kind of the less friendly I am in the sense that I think you tend to make friends, especially men do this, I think. You tend to make your friends earlier in the life, and then you sort of stop making new ones. <laughs> Uh, my wife is much better at that. She continues to make me. But I kind of stopped, you know, and I'm a bunch of old friends, and I'm not even sure they're all alive because I'm not in touch, <laughs> in touch with them, you know. And, and, you know, and it's the sad thing is I was sort of happy with that. You know, I don't need to be around anybody. I can just sit home and look. And Lucy is not like that at all. Lucy loves everybody. She loves dogs. She loves people. When somebody comes to our house, this is her new best friend immediately, and she'll follow that person around. I think she would cheerfully go off with anybody who wanted, wanted to take her. But it makes her happy. People make her really, really happy. And I thought, well, yeah, I, I could do better on that. So I've started getting back in touch with old friends and trying to be more open to, to new ones. Because I think people, are, people can be a source of happiness. Not all of them, but a lot of them. The idea of people can be happiness producing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I, I think you're right. I mean, I, even in my world, I'd much prefer being around a dog than than most people. I hate to say it, but it's very true. No, I, I, I hear you. They're they're a lot easier, and they don't say as many stupid things. Yeah, they, they don't care about uh, politics, religion, uh, and all that good stuff. They just want exactly. To, they don't they don't argue about stuff like that. They don't worry about stuff like that. 
That's right. That's right. But they do, uh, you know, I think as you get older, though, it is important you start to, you know, reflect and reminisce a little bit. And I think it is important to, for your uh, mental stability to be socialized. And dogs force you to do that. I mean, they, they will one way or another, whether they're the most friendly dog in the world, and they're going to drag you to the next person that you're going to have to befriend, or it's some, uh, a dog that doesn't really care about people, and they're going to be barking at them all the time. So one way or another, you're going to have to interface with this person. <laughs> Well, she's the former, but the, and that's another thing, and I, I think this is well documented that if you have a dog and you you know you you have to walk your dog, and and I live in a neighborhood with a lot of where a lot of people have dogs, and over the years I've got to know everybody who has a dog in this neighborhood, and these are people I don't think I would know any of them if it weren't for our dogs, and sometimes the dogs don't you know sometimes the dogs bark at Lucy and sometimes they don't, but I still know who they are, and when their dogs like Lucy. You know, we naturally, when we see them walking, we always have to come and say hello. And I've gotten to know these people that I wouldn't have otherwise. So Lucy doesn't just make friends for herself. She makes friends for me. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, dogs are uh, sort of the, the great stabilizer. You know, when you have children, you're sort of forced into all the children activities and the school activities and uh, soccer and all that other stuff going on. Dogs are the same way. You know, you, you could be, if you delved into your neighbor, you may not have anything in common, but if you got a dog and they've a dog hey you're golden yep yep what about the fun factor i can imagine that being a and this is just me you know in my mind thinking about this being an author and a writer you know you spend a lot of time in front of the computer you're writing you know you're in your own little office and your own little world how is it about having fun you know teaching you how to well, have fun that's, and get out that's there a, do. A, something dogs are really at least lucy is really good about so the same things that she loved to do when she was a puppy she loves to do now she loves to go out you know, she loves when you throw the ball. She gets the ball. She won't give it back. She's not that kind of dog. <laughs> She's like, if you want the ball, you have to get it. That's but, right. but she loves to play, and she still loves to play. She didn't stop. And, and, and when I looked at my own life, I thought, eh, I'm, I'm much more likely to just sit around than I used to be. And so I started looking at, at things in my life that were really, you know, not just like easy fun, like taking a walk, but really, really fun, like exciting fun. And I think when you get older, again, this is something you don't do as much. And I started sort of taking stock of what I've done in my life, especially as an adult, that really was fun for me and, and why I haven't continued doing those things. And there were two main ones. The big one for me was I'm in a rock band of authors. It's called the Rock Bottom Remainders with right. actually some pretty well-known authors. Stephen King is in it, Amy Tan, Mitch Albom, Scott wow. Tarot. And we're terrible. <laughs> we're not a good band. <laughs> Well, we're fun. I mean, we have a lot of fun. Audience kind of has fun, usually, especially if it's been drinking. And I thought, I need to do that more. I need to get back and do that, you know, get my guitar, even though we stink, and get up there on the stage and play, because I really, really enjoyed that. Traveling, you know, something like, I think people tend to, tend to kind of slow down and want to do kind of the same old thing more and more. But I've been trying. I've been trying to force myself to just get out and do more things that are just plain fun that don't have any, you know, explanation for them except they're fun. It's fun to do. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, that, and that's interesting what you say about traveling because I, I can imagine, you know, uh, when you first started this, you know, and, and started writing and getting some uh, notoriety, I imagine there were a lot more uh, business travel things that you had to do, book signings and events. 
events and uh, festivals and, and things of that sort. Would that be correct? Yep. That's not really fun travel. No, it's not. And that's the <laughs> No, you do. I'm, in fact, I'm about to launch myself around the country talking about lessons from Lucy. I'll be on a book tour. But that's more like you go to a city, you do some interviews like this one, then you go you go to a, a bookstore and sign books. And I kind of enjoy meeting the people and everything, but the travel part of it, I, I, could, I could live without, I think. Travel for fun is different for me. It's like just not having any obligation, just going somewhere and just seeing what what's cool to do there. Yeah, yeah, much different life. I always tell the story. I used to uh, work in corporate America for about 20 years and uh, traveled all over the world. And uh, I still remember the first time I saw Paris. And it was a red-eye flight from Atlanta to to Paris, and then I was flying on down to Nice for a conference and a business event. And it was that sounds real, pretty good for business. Sounds real good, yeah. And so, uh, so this was early on in the career, and um, I'm flying. So I get into Paris, Charles de Gaulle Airport. We won't go any further than that. But we hop in a small pedal jet, and you know I'm dead tired. But it's one of those things where you just can't sleep. You know you should. Yeah. You know you. You just can't do it. So I opened up the window a little bit, and I looked down and took a double double glance. There was the Eiffel Tower, and that was the first time I'd seen the Eiffel Tower. And I'm thinking uh, to myself, you were flying over it now. Yeah, I was flying over, and I was you know, I wasn't flying stopping. into it. Yeah, <laughs> flying over it, you know, and it's like you know, so the glamour of it all, like you said, uh, when you're doing it for business or for work, or because you you don't to. really pre yeah, you don't appreciate it. Um, no, but no, but when you get the chance, which I did later on, obviously to go to Paris, and uh, it's lovely, it was fantastic, but uh, much different when you have to do it for work. But that's sort of something. Since dogs don't really, they don't work. I mean, they do work there in their own way, and people do use them for working. But you know what I mean. Dogs just kind of enjoy what is happening for itself, no matter what it is. They're really good at, at just, like the dog would never not notice the Eiffel Tower. Right? Like you, you might because you have something else on your mind, but dogs are so into the moment. They're so present that they never miss anything. They just enjoy so much what's happening. I mean, they don't think about the future. They don't think about the past, which I guess we cannot do. But we can learn from them to pay less attention to the future and past sometimes when we're in a moment that, that could we could really savor and enjoy. And dogs are fantastic at that. Exactly. That's exactly right. Living in that present moment is uh, one of their greatest gifts they give. And uh, I was I was just laughing today. Actually, I was talking to someone, and uh, we built a new uh, new home up in the North Georgia Mountains. And the terrain is uh, very different than our uh, residence that's more in the city. So we have uh, trees everywhere, and it's uh, there's no grass. It's just all mulch, these type of things. But my wife wanted to – the dogs like to lay out in the sun. She didn't want them laying on the mulch, tracking in all the mulch into the house. So she bought one of these little roll-out carpets, you know, the kind you use when you're uh, camping, you know, yeah, yeah. your trailer up and you roll it out. Nice little thing, rolled it out, and we tossed the balls on there. And not only did the dogs go on there and play on it and love it and sunbathe, but I actually caught myself laying on it and taking a nap. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I haven't taken a nap on any blanket or any anything out in the wild, which is my backyard, for 40 uh-huh. years. Now, all of a sudden, I'm finding myself living in that moment, having fun, just enjoying doing that. Now, if your wife had tossed a uh, ball, would you have fetched it on that mat? I, or, I mean, would, you didn't quite go that far. Well, Dave, I've been married for over 30 years, so I fetch whatever she wants me to. <laughs> <laughs> you would fetch if told to fetch, yeah. I, I'd, sometimes I don't even have to. It's even better when you guess ahead of time what they want, Dave. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, well if, if they only knew what they – never mind, never mind. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm, not going, I'm not going down that road. Of, you, you know, may be yeah. listening, Dave. It's, um, yeah, make sure yeah, that you're within the arm length of the, uh, the wife. That's all I got to say. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then come back and talk to Dave Barry a little bit more about his uh, latest book, Lessons from Lucy, The Simple Joys of an Old and Happy Dog. Also want to talk to him about his writing and writing styles so we can pick his brain a little bit about how the expert does it. And uh, then I also want to delve into a super interesting uh, last chapter of this book that I thought was uh, very, uh, very interesting. So we'll leave that as a teaser. So everybody hang tight. We're going to come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. I just want to tell you about a personalized dog food that I discovered called Puppo. What Puppo does is they take personalized nutritional needs for your pooch and they create a special dog food just for your dog. And we have a special offer so you can try it too. Just go to puppo.com, that's P-U-P-P-O.com slash Pet Life Radio, and you will get 14 days of personalized dog food delivered for $9. How great is this? Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Host Tim Link, and I'm here with the Pulitzer Prize winner, the syndicated columnist, uh, the jokester, the fun commentary uh, writer, and uh, author of many, many, many best selling books, uh, Dave Barry. And Dave's here talking to us about his latest book, Lessons from Lucy The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. Now, Dave, we talked a little bit about Lucy and some of the lessons that she's taught you over the years by putting together this book and writing the book, and everybody picks up a copy and reads through it. Are there any lessons that you hope they gain from it? Are they things from uh, Lucy has taught you, or is there an overall theme that you hope that they get out of the book? I first of all want to stress that I don't think there's anything I say in this book that everyone doesn't already know. If you're a, a sentient adult, you already know what I'm going to say in the book um, about happiness. Um, and they're simple things like we just talked about, like don't stop having fun and make friends. Pay attention to the people around you is a big one. Dogs are so good at that. They are so aware of who you are. They so want to be with you. We're so bad at that. At least I am. And, you know, you get reminded of it when you go to a funeral and you, you know, you think, gosh, you know, your life's going to end. And what really did you do in your life that mattered to you? Was it, you know, Mm -hmm. watching this show or looking at this thing on Twitter or what? Or was it, you know, the time you spent with your family and your loved ones? And it's obviously that. But we forget that every, you know, we, we walk out of the funeral and within 10 minutes, we're back looking at our phone and not paying attention to the people right right with us. And so I think that's like the big one, and it's sort of the whole book revolves around that idea of just paying attention. We don't do that. Dogs do that. They never stop. They don't know how to do anything else, so they're limited in that respect, but it really makes them happy. It makes them content. They know exactly what they want. They want to be with us. And I think that's probably the big message is be with the people that you love. Be in the moment if you can, the way a dog is in the moment. Not that you can't think about the future. You have to, obviously. And not that you can't dwell on the past sometimes. You're going to. But remember what's really important in life. And it's not a lot of the extraneous crap. And it's not what's on cable television. It's what's right in your, your home and your loved ones. That's, I think, the big message. Yeah, and I think it's very poignant, and definitely so, and great segue for you here, Dave. You had this book, Lessons from Lucy, done and dusted, edited, ready to go, cover selection. I'm sure everything was done, and all of a sudden, you had to add one last chapter about a life lesson. Tell us a little bit about that, that final chapter without giving away everything in the, in the book. 
Yeah, it was pretty brutal. As you say, the book was done. Uh, it was copy edited. My book tour was planned. This I was going to go out on last October on book tour with this. And uh, August 18th, when I was two days from taking, we were my wife and I were taking our daughter to Duke University, where she was going to start as a freshman. She woke up paralyzed with a rare autoimmune disorder that um, rendered her unable to walk and feel her legs. And the thing about it is that this is a kind of disease that. They can tell you what it is, but they can't really tell you how they're going to fix it, and they can't really tell you what's going to happen long term. So all of a sudden, you talk about a wake-up call. You know, I didn't care about anything anymore. Neither Michelle nor I cared about anything at all except would our daughter walk again. And as the days went by, we were mentally preparing ourselves for that. No, maybe she won't. You know, and I, I won't go do it. It came out okay, and Sophie is now at Duke University. And I couldn't be happier about that. But that was a huge lesson. I, I wrote to my editor, Priscilla Payton at Simon & Schuster, and said, if I can't, you know, I'm going to come out with this book about life lessons. And the biggest lesson I've learned is this one. And I need, I need to write another chapter to this book. And they said, sure. So they changed their whole production schedule and everything. And I wrote one final chapter about my daughter, Sophie. And it wasn't really a, directly a lesson from Lucy, although Lucy was there for that. And Lucy is Sophie's dog. And, but in the sense that the lesson I learned, which is kind of weird from having a horrible experience like that, was gratitude in that you, when you lose something as important as your daughter's health, your child's health, you are so grateful when you get it back. And you, you begin to realize what else you have to be grateful for and how few of the things that you worry about are really that important compared to those big things like health and, and family. And that's, again, that's something, just to tie it back to Lucy, that's something dogs are really good at. They are grateful. If you leave a dog for a day, as many of us do, you go out, dog is sad when you leave. You mm-hmm. know, moping on the floor. But when the, the second you get back, the dog is so filled with joy and happiness and gratitude just for your existence, just to be with you again. The dog knows what's important. It really knows. And that's, well, it took a terrible, horrible experience for me to, to see that as clearly as I think I see it now and that's what that last chapter is about yeah absolutely well definitely uh, definitely however and sophie's doing well and enjoying her uh, her freshman year she's doing great at duke and in fact she was just home for spring break and and uh we're just happy i mean every day is a is this gonna sound corny every day is a blessing and when something like that happens you realize that Absolutely. Well, too bad she doesn't have a decent basketball team to root for. That's a shame right there. <laughs> I keep telling her she doesn't know how lucky she is. <laughs> she goes to Duke for this year with this team. It's pretty pretty amazing. Absolutely. But I love how, you know, I, I thought it, when we talk about putting together a book like this and, it, you know, it's uh, life lessons and lessons we can learn from animals, uh, in particular uh, with Lucy, you know, because I'm a firm believer that we learn so much from our animals. We'll just slow down, stop and, and watch what they do and learn from that. But this is tough as it was and very heartfelt. Uh, and I'm so glad Sophie's doing well. You know, it just leads right, to, like you said, right back to the book. You know, it's it's all about planning the book tour getting the new book out, getting the, even the, uh, your child off to, to university to start their new life. That's all important stuff, all exciting stuff. But in reality, the day-to-day, the thing that happens right now is probably the most important thing of all. Yep. We're living in a miracle all the time, most of us, and we just don't even see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know from reading the book, Sophie actually had a, uh, a visitor, a furry visitor when she was in the hospital to help her along. She did. Well, she was at Baptist Hospital down here in, in, uh, in Dade County, Miami-Dade County. And they have a program where they, uh, these volunteers, wonderful folks, bring dogs in that are trained to do this, therapy dogs. 
and they just go around from patient to patient and just let you pet them and hold them. And, sit them. and Sophie just loved that. She really missed Lucy. She just loved when the therapy dog would come. And in fact, we even put a picture in the book of Sophie with one of the, the therapy dog that was with her the, the night before she finally moved a, a leg for the first time, which was a huge, huge moment, big, biggest moment of my life. <laughs> and but we, I, I give Clue, the, the dog was named Clue. I give Clue a little bit of credit for Sophie's healing that this dog was there that night before. Absolutely. You know, they, they are great healers. You know, you can't always explain it, but they definitely can oh, you, teach yeah, and heal you. It, they heal your soul, but they're just amazing. Absolutely. Well, Dave, let's pick your brain a little bit about your writing and writing styles. Obviously, you write uh, columns or you write books. You know, there, there's so many different avenues you take your writing. Do you find a, a particular uh, method or, or avenue easier nowadays than, than others, or do each one of them have challenges, whether you're writing fiction, nonfiction, a column, whatever it may be? Writing is hard. <laughs> I tell people that. People want to be a writer. I say, I'm not comparing it to coal mining, you know, I mean, it's not physically hard and, and it may not be as mentally stressful as, I'm sure it's not as mentally stressful as like landing an airplane where, you know, you've got a lot, I mean, if I screw up a sentence, nothing bad happens. If a pilot screws up a landing, it's much worse, but, but it's still hard to do, <laughs> to take, there's nothing there and then you have to put something there. For me, it's the hard, the challenge is I'm trying to make people laugh for the most part. Like, I know this interview probably doesn't reveal much of it. <laughs> the book originally is supposed to have a lesson. Lucy has a bunch of, what I hope is humor in it. Right. And, and when, you, when you write humor, you're sort of promising the reader something. You're saying, you're going to find this funny. And they'll know if it's not funny. <laughs> when you pick up a non-humorous book, you don't, you know, nobody's promising you anything. You read it, you rack whatever you want to. But with a humor book, if they don't think it's funny, they feel you failed. So there's like that pressure on you. And I've always found it difficult. I'm a very slow writer. Uh, it takes me a lot of time to, to be happy with something. I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. I think that's true really of most people I know who write for a living. That, you know, the image of writers is that they just sit down and it flows through them. And for most writers, I know it's not like that. It's a lot of staring at the screen and thinking, man, I suck at this now. <laughs> Why did I think I could do this? You know, because each time it's kind of a challenge. So for me, it's, it's painful and slow, but I don't have any other skill. <laughs> All I know how to do. So I'm going to keep doing it till somebody, you know, hands me a, a pick and says I have to go mine coal. There you go. There you go. In humor, you know, it's one of those uh, subjective things. You know, uh, I'm the funniest guy in the world, but if you ask my wife, well, I don't, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. So try I have that same feeling here that might, you know, like, um, cause people are always saying, because I'm, I'm a humorist, they're always asking my wife, my daughter, my son, what's he like at home? Is he funny? And they go, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, tough crowd. It's a tough it, crowd. It is a tough crowd. It is a tough crowd. But you got to keep trying to please them some way or another. So, uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Well, I'll, I'll pick your brain one last time before we head off to uh, from the show today. But uh, your writing styles. Uh, do you find yourself being a um, up at five a.m. and writing for one hour every single day, or are you uh, uh, like me? Uh, uh, oh shoot, the book's due tomorrow. I'm <laughs> going to put it no, together. no. Stop right there. No, I'm the first. I write. Every day, really seven days a week, even if it's only for 20 minutes. And even when I'm on vacation, I'll, I'll find a little time. And then when I really have something to write, I'll spend hours and hours. And it's always morning. I'm, I don't write really well in the afternoon at all. Everybody has a different system. But the one thing I'd say is consistent of everybody I know who writes for a living, which is a lot of people, is they make a lot of time for it because it's never going to, it's never going to just be easy if you're going to do it well. So 
I think most disciplined, most writers, if you're going to make a living at it, you just have to keep doing it, including days when you produce maybe one sentence. You still spend a couple of hours producing that one sentence, and that's the only way you ever get anything written. Yeah, and that one sentence may be the golden sentence. You know, it, it could. Yeah, be I mean, I'm, if I hey, if I write one good joke in a day, I'm not an unhappy person. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm good with that. That's right. So if you get that one joke in the greatest joke quote book of all times, you're golden. You're <laughs> well, that's a high, a high bar there, but yeah. <laughs> all right, Dave. Well, the book's called Lessons from Lucy, uh, The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. A great read. As always, love your work, Dave. And obviously, when you put a dog in there, it makes it twice as good. That's what I found out. <laughs> <laughs> always put a dog in there, folks. Always. That's my always. writing tip. Yeah, put a right. dog in there. Put a dog in there. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate your having me on. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody, we're going to we'll, uh, keep an eye on what's going on with Dave. He's got a tour coming out. Pick up a copy of the book. And if he's in your neck of the woods, definitely stop by and uh, say hey to him because he loves meeting new friends, as we've learned. I do. I do. I need, I need them. <laughs> exactly. Because I think my old ones might be dead. I don't know. Anyway, you never, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The old <laughs> saying, if you uh, wake up and read the newspaper and your picture's in there, well, there you go. The old bits. And that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad news. All right. Once again, the book's uh, Lessons from Lucy, uh, Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog uh, by Dave Barry. Uh, Dave, thanks again for coming on the show. Best of luck with the book, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you somewhere down the road. Thanks, Tim. I look forward to that. All right. Our pleasure. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any ideas, comments, or uh, people you want to see on the show, authors you want to see on the show, uh, drop us a line at PetLifeRadio.com, and we will answer your questions, entertain your comments, and try to bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, put it in a uh, blog, an article, a book, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.